All right, everyone, welcome back. This week, Kayla got a chance to sit down with Molly Montgomery. Molly has been in the horse world her whole life, from growing up alongside the racetrack to now training some of the top horses in the fraternity industry. She is a Barrel Futurities of America juvenile and fraternity champion, Fort Smith fraternity champion, as well as many more titles, and some of her best horses are still winning going down the rodeo road today. Her and Kayla talk about her training program and more with this great conversation. We hope you enjoy. Don't forget to check out The Money Barrel on Patreon.com, where we're about to post a short interview with Andrea Busby after a big win at the Cheyenne Frontier Days. This week's episode is brought to you by the REM mask from Expert Equine. Not very often do we see a new product that really makes a difference like this one can in a performance horse's life. For very little investment, the REM mask from Expert Equine helps horses sleep under artificial light that stays on in vet clinics and big event stall barns. They're easy to use and your horse will thank you. Visit xpertequine.com. All right, Molly, the stage is yours. This is The Money Barrel. This is a conversation I've wanted to have for a long time. We are getting the chance to talk to Molly Montgomery tonight. And if anybody knows my horse, Stella, I got her from Molly as a two-year-old. So this is actually a conversation I've been really excited to have since I've actually got to ride behind you and everything. How's it been going down there in Texas? Oh, you know, it's pretty warm. (laughs) It's pretty warm down here. We're in the middle of summer, so it's a lot of early mornings and dusty days. I think that's probably an understatement on the heat. What are you doing to manage while you're riding down there? Do you ride at night or do you just get up at, you know, two in the morning? How do you handle that? Well, I'm I'm kind of a night owl, but Brynn, my stepdaughter, you know, who helps me, she's not. She's kind of a morning person, which is fine. I mean, and that kind of forces me to get it all done in the morning, which is great because then I kind of have the rest of the day to do all the things that I don't usually get done but so we just kind of get up early in the morning and Brent and I have a schedule I mean she saddles and unsaddles and washes horses and she just keeps a steady stream of horses coming to me just bringing them out handing them to me and I'm getting on another one she takes that one unsaddles so we we have our routine and we're pretty strict about it. You got your system down. How? What time do you try to get done riding in the morning? Uh, we usually, we're usually done by one thirty. It's getting pretty warm by then. And, you know, I just hate, it's, I mean, to a certain point, those horses and you need to be acclimated to it, to me, because you're going to take them to shows and have to run them during the day. True. So. To me, they need to be sort of acclimated to that type of weather. But, I mean, we try to be done by about one thirty. So, I mean, every now and then we might go maybe 30 minutes longer. We might get done earlier. But to put the time in, I mean, we're going till then usually. And we start about 6 or 6.30. And how many horses do you guys roll through in a day? Mm, we're riding anywhere between 14 and 16. And, I mean, that's anywhere from barely broke 
are breaking barely broke to finished horse you know finished horses so i mean we're going through all different sets i usually try to push my two-year-olds or younger horses off till a little bit later just so it's a little bit warmer so they won't be as frisky (laughs) right that's funny well before we get kind of in more into your current program let's just kind of go back to the beginning and tell us a little bit about your background and how you grew up well and you know i've said it several times but i i mean i don't know it's just something that i've always loved and I, I laugh because, you know, other kids like want to go to Disney World and all that. And I don't know. I was always pretty serious. I was a pretty serious kid about the things that I wanted to do and my horses and things that I wanted to accomplish. And I think I don't know if it really stems from the fact that my mom and dad trained racehorses because that's a pretty serious endeavor. And so if you've ever been involved in any type of horse racing especially i mean any kind of horse racing but we had thoroughbreds and so you're on a pretty strict program but i mean i was strict i i was pretty serious about horses from just a very young age i mean i remember one time my mom took me we went to disney world because they used to have back when they used to have senior trips well the school went on a senior trip and my mom and I of course was an awesome opportunity to go to Disney World while I was miserable the whole time because I wanted to be at home riding I mean what kind of kid was I (laughs) was not normal that's so funny do you go on vacations now at all or basically no 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 I, I mean I you know like I say I don't go on vacations which I really don't but every now and then I'll take a day off here at the house but I'm still here <laughs> you know so I'm not sure if it's technically a day off or a vacation but I just kind of worry about things and it's almost like not worth leaving and I mean Every now and then, my husband and them, they'll force me, but it's every few years. But I try to take days off, but I'm still here, so I feel like my safety blanket is that I'm still here. Yeah. Because I worry about, you know, I kind of worry about all of our horses, not just mine, but, you know, Joe and Kirby, we all train out of the same barn, and my husband has his rope horses and you know so we've got a bunch of horses around here and it just kind of makes me nervous leaving because what if something happens and I'm not here yeah it's almost more work to leave than like you said that it's worth it sometimes it's almost more stressful to leave than it is to just not take a I mean it's to me not a vacation if you're still worried about it and thinking about it So when did you get into the barrel racing side? Like what made you go that route instead of staying in the racehorse side of things? I mean, I, I of course, always loved the racehorse side of it. And I mean, I galloped racehorses and I mean, but I was, I don't know. I was just always kind of drawn to the barrel racing, but, and that was, it was before they had four D's though. You know, we had a little, um, Back then, to me, it was a little different. We had, like, they call them play days now. 
but it was, I mean, we were serious about it. I mean, and it was tough. It was almost like little bridges rodeos and we'd have one, like we had a little association. I'm not sure if anybody remembers, but it was like Tri-County and all these, and it was all around the state, these little associations. And then we'd all go to the state finals and compete as a team, so to speak. And then that team would, win state or whatever it's sort of like high school but it was it was sort of like to me the beginnings of like YRA or AJRA or something but I mean kind of everybody did it even people in high school that really didn't ride that much they still came to the horse shows and I mean we get there at eight o'clock in the morning and we wouldn't leave till daylight the next day because all the kids would run during the day and then the adults would run at night Okay. And And I don't think that I've ever had more fun in my life. I mean, it was a blast. Like, everybody would set up their little, everybody would set up, like, tarps and stuff down the side of the arena, and everybody had their little, like, campsite, you know, with their lawn chairs and coolers and everything. And, I mean, there was not a place to park. It was so fun i mean we and we did ever event i mean i did pleasure i did raining i did barrel racing straightaway barrels flag race speed race um keyhole and my dad and i did the rescue race and egg race flag relay i mean we did every event i think that's probably why it, none of my horses cheated back then because they had no idea and no exhibitions you know that's so funny. back back when things were so much more simple <laughs> i mean i'm talking i did i think i had to do pleasure on my barrel horse too sometimes and that was always fun you know when the judge wasn't looking i was like pulling on him and then he'd look and i put my hand down and i i mean i did raining on my barrel horse all of it so i mean we had a blast doing that that was just so fun and then I high school rodeoed after that and so that my mom and dad kind of quit training race horses because I mean it's it's tough you know Mm -hmm. and I mean I've been on the track at Louisiana Downs we stalled horses at the track at Louisiana Downs and I mean I've I've done it all but you know, all during that time, I always had a barrel horse and everything, and I kind of wish that I, but, you know, it was kind of a different time back then. I mean, like, we didn't have videos to learn how to do anything like that or anything, and so I was kind of in that mode in high school rodeo. I kind of always had a barrel horse, but I pole bend, and then I was a a pretty good I was a really good goat tire and so I had an old calf horse that I tied goats off of and so I kind of did that and then when I went to college I kind of took a small break because I mean it's really expensive to do that kind of thing and in fact I didn't even really know I didn't even under know what the D system was because that was right when they transitioned into the D system Okay. And I didn't even know what it was. I might have won money some places and didn't even know it when I first started. <laughs> they were like, well, this girl's never going to get her money, so we, they probably just kept it. 
Oh, that's funny. Um, when did you, after college, did you go right back into training horses or did you have a quote unquote real person job for a while? Um, I had a real person job, unfortunately, because I really didn't know that I could make a living doing it. I mean, I know cutting horse people did, but I really didn't know about it. And, you know, where we're from, I really didn't know about futurities because I kind of just grew up in the horse show kind of rodeo world so I didn't really know anything about futurities until I kind of got out out of college and so I started back running and I had I trained this really nice horse um he's kind of famous because I ran him in two bridles because he wouldn't stop running out and in hindsight I was too dumb to know that he could have been bleeding and so that's probably what was happening he probably wouldn't stop because he was bleeding because he was a good horse a great horse I mean I I won like a back whenever um Booger did his big races I mean back when they were huge you know 1500 runners he would he won one of those and I mean, was that you know, that? Um, what was his name? Something Playboy, Golden right? Golden Truck and Playboy. Yeah. So tell tell us about him a little bit as we're you know going through your history because I know he did play such a big role in this becoming your career. Well, and you know, I always I always say, my gosh, every horse was easy to train after that horse because I just didn't know anybody. You know, you just live and learn. And I'd been, like, looking on Barrel Horse World. That was back, you know, when Barrel Horse World. I mean, it's still big, but that was, you know, kind of the source for everything. And I had been looking up, like, 1D horses breeding and things like that. And um, and he was a cow run cross. He was um, bygone trucking who was... Tiny's that tiny out of an own daughter of Tiny's gay. I can't. Even, I don't know why I can't think exactly how he's bred. And then he was out of a Dockalina Freckles Playboy mare. And when I got him, I mean, he was like five, and I paid nine hundred fifty dollars for him. And he was five, and they said that he had been ridden, like had thirty days as like a three year old or something. Well, that probably means two rides (laughs) and and when I got him he legit knew nothing and he was so he was just looking back now he was scared he was scared and nervous and so it took me like two years to train that horse and but he just like he came along and just was I think the first I'd only taken him to a few barrel races and then I took him to a DNG and he won he, he won it and I was like oh my gosh but I'd have to spend like two or three weeks putting him back together after I ran him because it's just it's harder you know as those horses get older it's way harder to make them be confident once they're older and they learn that know that flight or fright instinct if you hadn't broke if you hadn't started on before then it's just they're they're a little more scared forever Mm -hmm. 
in so when he started winning, because um, I know, you know, when did it become like maybe I should do this full time instead of what? you know keep keep the real person job? And what did you do? Well, I have a degree in I have a bachelor's in business with a major in marketing, and so I worked at the newspaper for a, as a sales executive, and then. A couple of other jobs and then I went to work for the highway department TxDOT and I was the ITS coordinator there so like all the big dynamic message signs that tell you to wear your safety belt and and all that I put those signs up and all like the cameras and stuff that people watch I did all that for TxDOT so and I love that I mean I love that job but I mean my passion and my, my heart just, you know, I just love horses. And so in kind of in that time, I met Joe, which is Jolene Montgomery, which mm-hmm. is my brother's wife, you know. And um, Joe worked for Judd and um, for Judd Little. And I met Joe, and she was kind of just starting out at that time at Judd's. Well, um, you know, we kind of hit it off, and so I fixed her up with my brother, and, you know, the rest of that's history. They're married now. And um, and so I worked for TxDOT, and I love that job. I mean, I always had a horse, a horse or two on the side that I rode for people, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I would just, I mean, I'd just work all day and then come home and I would ride five or six horses at night. Well, I mean, that's kind of burning the candle at both ends. And so after I, I just loved it, you know, and so I, it kind of opened the door to, but I had always ridden and trained barrel horses and things, but I'd never really thought I could do it for a living and so then whenever I moved home well Joe encouraged me she was like you know if you're ever gonna do it now's the time and so I just took a leap of faith kind of jumped in and I mean to me Petrudis weren't as big you know around 12 years ago mm-hmm. I mean they've always been big but I mean it's to me it's huge now i mean with all the breeders incentive i mean i can remember that i felt like that if you hadn't won anything by may back 10 years ago it was like there wasn't a lot left i mean the next maturity after fort smith was was ardmore in the end of september and there wasn't much in october and then in November, I think, was JB's maturity, and then the BFA, and there wasn't a lot in between. Yeah, and now it's like there's so much to go to in this fall, or the summer and the fall, that, I mean, if even if you don't win anything in the spring, you can still, you know, win six figures the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. I mean, I it's just awesome. I mean, there's so many great races to go to i mean i just think it's so cool because to me it opens the door for just 
a lot of people, a lot more people to get into it, which just makes our industry better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, I mean, of course, all the horses, it's going to be tough no matter where you go. But, you know, I don't feel like any maturity trainers push horses. I feel like we all try to make a horse that's going to last us all year. You know, a lot of people will message me or something asking a question and I'm like well how long has this horse been on barrels and they say I don't know a couple of months and and I tell them I'm like we we might load barrels for a year before we ever ask for any kind of speed like this colt's doing good just keep go slow keep going slow build that strong foundation that is such valuable advice um I, you know, I was, get, we'll, we'll get into it into, in a minute about, like, your training program, but when did you actually decide to, like, so you, you moved to full-time and you started for turding. When was, what year was that? That was in 2009 or 10. Okay, and then when was, like, what was your first big winner? Tell us about some of those big-time horses you've had. Well, I mean, I've had a few horses that weren't, like, maybe big-time winners, but I bought a little hill prospect for my husband, and it was a little cowbred horse, and she won reserve at the JB Futurity, and so, but my first probably, I mean, I had some that, that did really well, I mean, they weren't $150,000 plus winners, but would be streaking Lil. She was a Woodbridge that I had out of a shoot Yao mare, which that the that mare's damn, she's still making winners. Um, the horse that Brian Wheeler won the first go, won, ran that really fast time, Heavenly Fire, one of Heavenly Firewater's Colts was out of that same mare but i've had several little ones like kelly's dark babe darth vader dark vader and tv call you promised they all won you know 40 50 000, but probably my first big winners were like feeling the firewater heavenly firewater a dash to glamour all those were like the first big to me, hundred fifty thousand dollar plus winning winning horses. And didn't you have those like the same year or kind of back to back years? They were all in the same year. Tell us about and, that year because that was that's probably like the high of the fraternity trainer life, and there we know there's oh, ups and downs. But tell us about well, yeah, that year because that wasn't until two thousand sixteen. So I've been training six years at that point and I mean you talk about tough times Um, I mean there's lots of tough times during those six years I mean we didn't lots of tough times and you've really got to have faith you know and keep working towards towards something great and keep faith in yourself and there's lots of trying moments but I mean, I had some nice horses a few before then, but I mean, it's hard to get somebody to pe- to get people to 
you know, send you a fraternity horse. And I mean, what I did is I just, I mean, I was there and my horses always look good and they ran good. They might not have won, but they ran good. They, mm-hmm. they, they ran consistent. They didn't go out there and make huge mistakes. And I mean, and that's what I tried to always do anyway is build a, a solid horse. But, and then other trainers kind of noticed, noticed me. I started some, just, they just noticed that I could ride and my horses look good. And so, you know, just like now, if somebody calls me and I don't have room, well, I'll refer them to somebody else, you know. And so that's what I did is a lot of trainers preferred extra horses to to me to ride, you know. And that's kind of how I got started and then breaking some colts and things like that. I think that's such a, you know interesting aspect of our industry because it really is it's a small world so I mean like you said you're one person might be turning down business but if you have a good relationship and you've kind of proven yourself and they see your horses then like they're giving you business like it really all does kind of work together and that's why you know relationships are so important oh yeah I mean I think that that's so important and I mean it's just it's even though it's a big industry, it's small, mm-hmm. and and so I mean that's that's what I try to tell people is it's important. I'm to me it's it's an ultimate compliment to your reputation whenever buyers and sellers are both willing to give you you know give you the money give you money for a horse or whatever. And then the buyer knows that you're not going to let the horse go until they have the money or you have the money and vice versa. Yep. And that, that to me makes me feel good that people are trust you. I mean, we, we aren't future predictors, but well, we, we, we try to be honest as much as we can. I mean, I always say I talk people out of a horse because I'm like, well, what about this? And <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I speak from experience. When I bought Stella, I mean, it was sight unseen off of Facebook as a two-year-old, but I'm like, surely if she owns this horse and she's advertising it, she's not going to, you know, send me a yeah, dink no. because the reputation is too important. So, Well, you work forever for that. And I mean, I just don't have it in me to be... I mean, not to say that sometimes something might happen and we might not know about it yeah. or something like that. I mean, we're not fortune tellers. And, I mean, that just that leads me to something else. Like, sometimes horses aren't going to, they're not going to make a futurity horse because they're just not mature enough. Mm-hmm. And they just maybe need a little bit more time. And sometimes I think that people think that if we're selling a horse that, they've got a huge problem or something and I'm like that's not always the case sometimes those I mean Bud Beeler bought that uh little black dash to fame mare that I had and I mean she's done so well on that mare and I didn't win a lot on that mare but she just wasn't confident during Mm -hmm. her maturity year yeah 
Do you not like she is now? Do you keep them a lot after their fraternity year, um, or do you pretty much move them at the end of the year? No, I never get to keep one. Yeah. I'd love to keep one, a couple of the good ones that I've had, but I've never been able to keep one. I mean, I was able to ride legs, legs gone wild, and making you famous for a little while after they were five. But other than that, I've not been able to keep anything. Well, and it goes. I think to, it'd be fun. It would be fun, and it goes to show what your training does. Because like we still see. Bud the Stud winning today and, you know, Legs Gone Wild winning. And, you know, a lot of these horses that you've trained are still winning today. Well, and that makes, I mean, that makes me so happy because, I mean, we, we only get them for a certain amount of time. And so when you can see those horses go on to win with other people and make other people happy, that is so fun to see it bring other people joy. Right, and it's like, that's one of those things that I think it's funny when people are like, oh, they're just trying to move the horse, and it's like, no, I'd rather it win more after it leaves me than oh, with me. Yes. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's there's nothing that makes your reputation better than people to go on and be successful with them, and I want to help. I mean, I think everybody knows that I'll do whatever to help somebody because I love to see I mean we poured everything into those horses we poured our blood sweat and tears into those horses so we love to see them go on and win like I love I mean my mom still watches your videos and because she loves seeing her do good yeah and I love it. I mean, I think that's so cool. And it's a really cool thing, the the one positive about social media. Because, like, yeah, I'm friends with your mom on, on Facebook. And, you know, now the breeders of, of Stella. And it's, you know, it's it's a really cool thing. I mean, like, right now, okay, I, I bred this strawfly special mare to uh, Eddie Stinson. And I sold it as a yearling because, I mean, honestly, I needed to buy hay. Yeah, and I didn't really want to sell him, and his name is Albert Stinson, and a guy bought him, and then he sold him to to Kay Young, and Zach just tagged me like he called me, and she like was ran a really fast time at Glen Rose, like at the at a race at Glen Rose, and then she placed third in the or second, I can't remember at Santo out of like 300 heads so it's fun to see those horses that i mean i didn't have any part in his success besides breeding him but still it's fun to still see that and i mean i still watch your videos and i think it's fun to see those horses go on and and win i don't know because you have a you have a i don't know to me if you love it you love to see them go on and win and have a, you just kind of have a vested interest in that horse's success. Totally agree. And I mean, that's what I try to do too, is I always try to give credit to like the breeders. Like anytime I do, I mean, I talk to Callie that bred uh, TR Heavens Illuminated all Mm -hmm. the time. And because they're, they're kind of to me, the unsung heroes they're the ones that put these great mixes together and pull embryos and and do all this stuff and then 
we're the ones that get our picture in the magazine and things like that. And they don't hardly, to me, get any credit, not the credit that they deserve. Have you ever slept with the lights on? Could you do it for several nights in a row and still perform at your very best? Have you ever wondered about your horse? Unfortunately, at most big events, the lights must stay on all night long. But there is a solution. REM Restorative Equine Mask from Expert Equine. The REM mask blocks artificial light, allowing for optimal rest and recovery. My name's Bo Whitaker. I'm a veterinarian at Brazos Valley Equine Hospital in Slato, Texas. The whole goal of the REM mask is to prevent sleep deprivation. And sleep deprivation is gonna to lead to significant behavioral problems in horses. There are other things as far as stress goes, uh, gastric ulcers, a lot of things that can be secondary to the stress that you, you can see from sleep deprivation. So arrive at the show prepared with the revolutionary REM Restorative Equine Mask from Expert Equine. And I agree. I mean, that's part of the reason that we started the podcast because we've had breeders on and stuff because obviously we want the winning jockeys. But like, I mean, like you said, there's so many people. You've been on the end of it. You're the breeder and then you sell them because costs come up. But like, there's so many people that go into the success of a horse that when it happens, like everybody is celebrating and wanting to watch. And it's just a really cool thing. Right. And I love I love keeping those people involved because they it's like it, you know it fills up your emotional tank where you feel proud and you know like Callie sent me a picture the other day of a check that she got from uh Ruby Buckle when I got reserve on Cyrus at uh Ruby Buckle and she sent me a picture of the check and said thank you you know to like me like to me and Cyrus or whatever and it's just fun to be able to share in that winning with somebody and so it's just I don't know I, to me it's those relationships that you build and and things and it's fun to share that with other people absolutely um you know 2016 was a really big year you're having a great year this year you, you Cyrus that you talked about um you know has been doing really good but talk about kind of the ups and downs and how you stay hooked through it mentally because not every year as a fraternity trainer is like 2016 or like this year. I mean, there's some years that, you know, I know, you know, top trainers are like, none of my horses are working good. Like I'm staying well, home or, this week. Yeah. Or they get hurt or no. whatever. And I mean, it's, it's, it's always hard whenever you aren't winning or because it just, you start to question everything, but I always try to stay, I always try to like listen to podcasts and try to read like lots of self-help books and things like that. And I think that that, and then my husband and my family, they're, they always keep your spirits up, but you just, you have to just keep your mind in the game that it's it's coming you just got to keep building and and I just keep working towards 
just like with my horses, I try to just keep laying that solid foundation and knowing that that next good horse is coming up. That just takes time. And I think sometimes that's what a lot of times people have a hard time with is, and maybe not a hard time, but it just, you have to just have lots of self-talk and lots of dedication that it'll come, but sometimes it's just not fast enough. (laughs) Right? Patience. Patience. But I just, and you know, I've, I've been thinking about that because I listen to all kinds of books and all podcasts and everything and I think the main thing everything that I've learned is that hard times build the most character and so if you don't have those hard times you're not ever gonna gonna get to where you need to be in my opinion and that's what makes it all worth it is when you have those hard times, it makes it all worth it. Yeah, I mean, that's the truth. What What's that saying? Like, hard times build strong men, strong men make right. easy times, easy strong, times make weak men. Strong and then, men, right. Yeah. And that, that it's, it's so true. And sometimes every now and then, you know, you'll get to feeling sorry for yourself and be like, well, I wish I had this and. I wish I had been born into a rich family or whatever. And everybody has their their hard times, whether you're born into it or not or whatever. But, I mean, everybody has their own journey. And you just, you can't compare yourself to other people because they're not even on the same journey you are. And I have to remind myself that. That's really good advice. Really good because, advice. Because, you know, like... I can't compare myself to Cassie. I can't because she's not even, or Ashley or Joe, everybody's had their own, their own journey, whether their parents gave them the opportunity to have whatever in their life, more experience with this or that, or had different horses. I mean, everybody has a different experience. And so you just have to compare yourself to the growth that you've had. And, I mean, Joe and I were laughing about that the other day because I was like, oh, my gosh. I look back, and I didn't know anything. <laughs> when you, I mean, I'm like, oh, ignorance was bliss because you really thought you knew something. And I look back now, and I'm like, hmm, I didn't know anything. And, I, boy, I was really cocky. I thought I really did. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, I didn't know anything. But you just grow. You just learn more and more every year. Yeah, exactly. I know that's funny. I think even more so now I'm like, I don't know if it's less confidence because I realize how much I don't know. But I had a lot more confidence when I thought I knew what I was doing. And now I'm like, no, I have no idea. (laughs) Well, there was a meme my friend Deanna sent it to me. It was a meme that it was funny because it was like said all this advice. It was this person was telling this other person all this advice, and then but at the end you say, "But I don't know," and that's that's code for in case I ruin your life. <laughs> I, I, I fixed it with that little statement because that's what I say all the time. I'm like, "This is what I would do." and blah, blah, this, and I'm real powerful about it. 
And then at the end, I'm like, but I don't know. But I don't know. (laughs) Because I always say that that's the ultimate, to me, that's the ultimate sign of experience is whenever you're able to admit that you don't know or weakness. You know, you're set back and you're like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Because to me, that's whenever... Like you said, you're just, you're, you realize when you get to that point, how much you really don't know. Yeah, exactly. Even though you know a lot, you're like, but I remember when I really didn't know a lot. Yeah, but you thought you did. (laughs) But I thought I did. I mean, now I, it's just little things like how to treat fungus and on horses and things like that, how to how to get them over sickness and just little things like horses tying up, horses bleeding and what works for me might not work for somebody else, but it's just the experience that I've had. And so I love reading other people's things and I love doing research because I feel like that you learn a lot that way by other people's experiences. And that's what I tell people. People are say they want to go be a horse trainer and I'm like well then you need to be as dedicated to it as you are about going to college or Mm -hmm. something like that you need to pick somebody out and go ride with them and don't hardly get expected to pay much because we don't make that much (laughs) right and that's your college but I tell people I'm like that's how you learn is you go and ride with those people and just be in there through the thick and thin I mean like I posted that Brim was going to be gone on vacation and I needed somebody to come help me for a week and I mean they'll get a taste of what it's really like to train horses the good bad and the ugly Mm-hmm. and did you find somebody to come help you yes a, a girl that I rode a horse for she's going to come help me and let me help her with her horse. I mean, she's taking a week off of work to come do it. I'm like, you're better than me. <laughs> That's how she's going to come do her vacation. There you go. Well, tell us about your current program. Um, you know, you said, you know, 14, 16 horses a day. You ride all ages. But, like, when do you get them in for training? Do you start your own colts? Kind of start from the beginning when you get your prospects in. Well, I I really, you know, all of us trainers kind of have a set group of owners that Mm -hmm. we ride for. And so that's really because people ask me, will you take this horse? And I mean, of course, there's so many nice horses out there, but certain horses don't fit certain riders or training styles. And so... If, if I don't think that bloodline fits me, I'll refer them to somebody else mm-hmm. because I I want to be successful. Like, I want to go win because to me, that's how I feel like that I make the most money. And so I always tell people to go to that trainer and be like, what do you want to ride? I'll buy, I'll buy you what you want to ride. And so I really like to get my horses in as two-year-olds and... I, I really like to break them myself and do all that myself 
I mean, even if I don't, maybe just somebody else put a few rides on them, but I really like to know that colt really, really well. I mean, a lot of my horses that I've had a lot of good success on, I was basically the main person that did all of that. And I I don't know why it just worked that way. I mean, some of the others, I mean, they had a few, but not a whole bunch. And so I like to get them as a two-year-old, and I really these days like to keep them and not really give them a big break because we're gone so much in futurities that that they get breaks. Yeah. I mean, they get a week or two here and there, and so I like to keep them so we can have that strong foundation laid on them, and I credit owners and things like that for when we're gone. And so... I mean, it's lots of loping, loping circles and loping the barrels slow and doing all that really slow stuff. And so I like to keep on through their two-year-old year and all through their three-year-old year. Um, and then, of course, their four-year-old year. But most of the time I get them like summer of their two-year-old year or something like that. And then, but... I mean, like Cyrus, my the one that I had this year, I didn't get him till. I mean, it was Thanksgiving of his two coming three-year-old year. So I got him in no, the end of November of his, he was about to be a three-year-old. And he was kind of, um, the cold breaker said he was dangerous. And... I don't really think he was dangerous. I think it was more that he was playful because he's pretty playful. And I just know the dash to heavens well enough to know that I was like, mm. I mean, I don't want anything dangerous, but he was bred so nice. I was like, I'll give this a shot. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> you did. Thank God I did. But I mean, when I got him, I was like, he's just playful. And those dash to heavens, they're pretty light on their feet and they like to jump around and play and I was used to it because I mean sis was like that feeling the fire water and so I just started loping barrels on him and after I'd loped barrels for two weeks I was like this is gonna be a really nice horse and thank goodness I was right um I'm pretty crazy about him you know he's he's not for everybody but he's for me I mean, I think that's, like, so important, like you said, you know, and, and unless you ride a lot, it might be hard to find that, but, like, just because it doesn't fit you doesn't mean it's going to fit some, it won't fit somebody else, but you knew enough about that, you know, type of breeding to be able to make that into a winning horse, but if you would have, you know, got after him every time he jumped around, like, you probably would have taken away all of his try, and he wouldn't have turned out to be anything. Oh, absolutely, because I think that, I mean, that's part of what makes him what he is, is if I would have beat him down for that all the time, I I mean, I don't think I could have ridden him through it, even if I would have tried to control it, but I think I would have knocked his confidence down so much it would have scared him, because he's pretty bold, And I, but there's a fine line there between bold and scared, mm-hmm. and 
I think that it would have made him more scared, and then I wouldn't have ever been able to get what I've got out of him. And I don't know. I mean, of course, all my good horses, I allow them to get away with murder. <laughs> I just, I don't want to get on to him for doing stuff. I'm like, just do whatever you want. Just, <laughs> I just try to keep them happy. And I don't know. It's a, just a fault of mine. But he's just, they're just fun. And I just try to just, whatever, I just cater to them. Whatever they need. I mean, everybody knows that. Like, at the bar, whatever. They know that I just, I let them get by with a lot of stuff just because they give me what, they give me everything that they have in that arena. So I'm going to give them everything that I have outside the arena. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to hear about 20 more minutes with Molly, where she talks about her training program and regiment, check out The Money Barrel on Patreon.com or the Patreon app. For just $5 a month, the cost of a single exhibition, you'll get immediate access to this bonus content and more, like a short interview with Andrea Busby after she won Cheyenne Frontier Days. That will be released later this week. Big shout out to Molly for spending some time with us. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, REM Masks by Expert Equine. Don't wait until you get to the event and wish you had a mask. Add it to your packing checklist, a staple item to have in your trailer when hauling. There are so many benefits that come from a well-rested horse at an event. Go to Expert Equine's Facebook page and tell them how it helped your horse. Remember to check out and shop their website, xpertequine.com. All right, everyone, run fast, be safe, and we'll see you soon.